Well, hello, White Sox fans. Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How are you doing, Danny? Uh, I'm doing well, man. How are you? I uh, expect that, uh, you know, even with a little bit of a slow news week for the White Sox, uh, I expect that you uh, have found some interesting things for us to talk about this evening. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we got the 40-man roster stuff coming up with the uh, Rule 5, so I figured we'd go over some of the, you know, possibilities for uh, retention in addition to the 40-man, and, you know, we'll uh, go over, you know, just a couple of possibilities. I don't know. There's uh, there, there's a lot of stuff going on with this with this team, and, you know, they've talked about, you know, <sighs> addition through trades and uh you know not spending a lot of money so um you know it's going to be one of those interesting things you know there's a it's a lot of moving pieces on this thing indeed indeed there is yeah so um yeah so you know besides all that stuff uh we got Pedro Grifol um we still haven't been given any notice as to, you know, who we're looking at for first base, third base coaches. So, you know, I, you know, or the hitting coach for that matter. Uh, we're still waiting to find no. out if, uh, you know, we're getting who has been reported, you know, from the Royals. Yeah, the Royals. Yeah. Right. I, and, you know, I mean, you know, I kind of imagine that that's probably who, you know, who we're looking at, but, you know. I don't. Yeah. You know, well, we touched knows. on it a little bit last episode. You know, there like, there's something to be said about uh, familiarity, uh, and Pedro Griffel having that uh, rapport already with, uh, uh, and the name is just eluding me right now. Uh, it's uh, but, uh, the Royals' previous hitting yeah. coach. Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, is that. You know, it's it's Mike Tosar, but the thing is, is that you, you know go. he's he's Thank a you. he's a hit a special assignment hitting coach. He's not the the Royals hitting coach per se. Correct. You know, so and, and I know a lot of I, a lot of Sox fans when that rumor first dropped, kind of were like, "What is going on there?" You know, you're looking at a team who's been basement dwellers since since their uh, runs in the in the mid teens. You know. But uh, you got to look. Hey, this is also the same guy who's been accredited with with making uh, Salvi Perez uh, the hitter that he's been the last couple of seasons, and just a banger for uh, you know a catcher anywhere in baseball. So uh, you know, there's not necessarily a lot to be concerned about, in my opinion, especially when you look at roster construction for the Royals. It's not exactly if you don't have the pieces. You don't have the talent. You can you really fault the coach all that much? Uh, I would say no. But uh, you know, like I, like I said, we we spent a little bit of time on this before. I don't want to harp on it too long. Yeah. Well, I, one thing that did come out. Uh, speaking of trying to improve catchers' batting situations, um, Pedro Grifol and. Um, Yasmani Grandal were seen at a Blackhawks game together. And um, it's since come out that 
Yasmani Grandal has been working with the strength and conditioning coach from the Blackhawks. So my question is, why? If you have a White Sox training staff that you are employing, and you know, and I understand it's it's fairly normal for somebody to go home and have a trainer that they work with at home and whatever. Uh, it just seems fairly odd to me that Grandal would choose to go and work out with the Blackhawks strength and conditioning coach instead of what's you know employed by his franchise. It seems kind of strange. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, you would hope that he would feel comfortable with what the team that he plays for has to offer. But uh, am I mad at him for going and doing that? No, uh, I'll tell you why. Because you know, I know this is a, a baseball, uh, primarily White Sox uh, podcast slash stream that we're doing here. But anybody who's ever watched any hockey whatsoever has got to know that those are some of the most conditioned athletes uh, in the world. Those guys uh, play a fierce, fierce game, uh, and uh, you know. They've been known to have some of the best uh, conditioning out there as far as athletes go. So for Yasmani to be doing what he's doing, uh, sounds like it might be fantastic. But the other side of that coin is, you know, we're talking about the same Yasmani Grandal who was banged up for so much of this past couple of seasons. You know, even, like we said before, even when he was playing, uh, more often than not, he was playing through pain. He was playing while hurt. Uh, I would think that, you know, he might want to take a little bit of time off. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that, you know, he's maybe not working on some strength and conditioning that might not have effect or might not have any effect on his, you know, nagging injuries or whatever. But I, at least I would hope anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean? But you would think that he might take a little time to, uh, you know, have a little TLC and, uh, kind of let those, uh, bumps and bruises and nagging little, you know, muscles kind of heal up and, you know, do their thing. So what are your thoughts? You know, I, yeah, I, I get that, you know, the, the whole, uh, hockey conditioning thing is something completely different, you know, compared to baseball. Um, and that their conditioning is, you know, second to only like maybe, Roman Greco wrestlers, you know, uh, as far as, you know, endurance and stamina goes. So I, I, I get it. Um, it just seems to me that it's rather odd that, you know, that we're not, you know, looking at him talking to White Sox strength and conditioning coaches makes you wonder, you know, what kind of faith these guys have in this training staff and, you know, they're moving on, you know, I was under the impression now I could be completely wrong and, and projecting here, but I was under the impression that the white Sox were going to clean house on the training staff. At least that's what I thought that, you know, Rick Hahn kind of projected in interviews that it kind of seemed like, you know, that whole thing was going to get wiped clean again, and they were going to start over from scratch. And, you know, we, we've talked about previously that, 
you know, I was mentioned in an athletic article that they were going to start doing a little bit, you know, implementing some software and doing some things a little bit differently over there, which, okay, fine. Um, and, you know, they did just take control of the training program, you know, last year. So, you know, I guess you give them the benefit of the doubt that last year's off season and uh, it being interrupted and disjointed and weird because of the lockout that, that, you know, because they couldn't communicate that that was part of the issue. Is that the, is that the case? Who knows? You know, and it's, here's the thing, you know, the off season has kind of just recently officially started because the world series has just ended about, you know, about a week ago here now. And, uh, you know, you, you like to think that there's time to get these things done, but you know, in reality, the White Sox offseason basically started the day the regular season ended, and you would kind of hope that you'd hear more than just the rhetoric that we as White Sox fans have typically become used to hearing, because it seems like every year we get that same kind of song and dance where you know changes will be made. You know, <laughs> the money will the be money spent. will be spent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, those things. And then it, it gives you the hope that you're looking for. But at this point, we've been jaded so many times that you kind of go, well, I believe it when I see it. Uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you can't really believe anybody in the organization these days because there's a lot less follow through. Uh, you know, I, I, at least on, you know, the topics that are brought up in the media and topics that are, you know, basically talked about by the organization themselves, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, you know, even Jerry Reinsdorf will, you know, make the occasional interview and press conference and say something. And you know, there's no follow through. And it gets to the point where you're like, well, you know, heard that before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I totally get what you mean. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's, Put up or shut up time. You know, we talked about this uh, at the end of the season that it was, you know, depending on what happens here with the roster and with payroll and, you know, you know, to a large extent, the manager choice process, you know, that if Rick Hahn allowed the thing to be, you know, T-boned again, you know, and get his you know, his whole entire process taken away from him again, that he, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if he didn't walk away from that, if, you know, say Jerry stepped in and said, oh, I want this guy, and they get stuck with another retread, you know, that he's complicit in, you know, in the decisions. And, you know, with the Pedro Grafal hiring, I feel better about the fact that I feel like Han at least has some modicum of control here now you know we all know that the chairman uncle jerry is going to you know do what he's going to do with the payroll and you know what's going to be allowed what's not going to be allowed you know who, whether they're going to spend you know you know 25 million dollars or whether they're not going to spend anything we know that that's ultimately where that decision is coming from so i can't necessarily hold him a hundred percent accountable for that. Now, do I care for, you know, the roster decisions that were made last year with signing, uh, you know, bullpen arm, bullpen arm, trading for a bullpen arm at the trade deadline. And that 
bullpen on the trading for a, a five ERA, you know, I mean, right. Extending a, uh, a 10 year utility veteran for well more than his value ever has been. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it's mind numbing, honestly. Yeah, I mean your your main acquisition at the trade deadline had a one point six whip, or one point five six whip, I think, and then in the second half with the White Sox, I think he had like a one point six one whip. So you got e- got even worse, you know, being here. And you know, I will say that, and I will say this on the positive side for uh, Joe Kelly is that in the second half, his whip did go down. Uh, I want to say like 0.7 from like a 1.9 to a 1.2 or something something along those lines. Like he did pitch a lot better in the second half, regardless of the fact that, you know, there were a couple of games that were really bad where he walked the bases loaded in that time frame. But, you know, at least, you know, after that, uh, the, the bicep, you know, nerve issue, you know, being rehabbed from while in Chicago, um, you know, at least there was improvement in the second half of the season to show, Hey, you know, he's getting back on track and he's becoming, you know, more of what is expected out of a Joe Kelly, you know? So at least there's that. Well, you know, the thing is, is, uh, we, Again, I've talked about this quite a bit. The organization lately, and I'm not going to say Brick Han because, again, we've talked about the fact that we think Tony La Russa had his hands in a lot of those moves. But uh, it just seems like the organization in the last couple of years has kind of focused on uh, positions that weren't exactly of need, and especially ones that, you know, the White Sox aren't known for developing players all that well the depello being the in-house homegrown talent that well but the one department they do do well in is the bullpen yet it's the one place they seem to be going out and spending money and you kind of got to wonder why uh you know we've had this need for second baseman we've had this need for a right fielder for forever and a day now uh it looks like oscar colas is probably going to be the guy next season and hopefully he turns Right. And, you know, hopefully he turns out to be the guy that we're all hoping for. But, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, is they produce utility guys. We had young guys within the organization that could have done just as much, if not more, than Josh Harrison and Leori Garcia did last year at second base. And I get the whole thing about, oh, well, we're not going to bring up young talent to find out what they've got now in a year of contention. Well, i got to be honest with you. At some point, you had to kind of look at this year and go, we're not really contenders. So (laughs) why not? Why not dip into that bag of tricks and let's get these guys a little bit of a head start? And and there are Sox fans out there, the analytical types that are going to boo and bash me for saying things like that, but. You know, I got to be honest with you. We all saw it. Whether you want to believe it or not, well, you can talk to me about the record all you want to. Well, they weren't really out of it, blah, 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 blah. You're uh, right. They weren't really out of it until late in the season, you I know, until think, the very end. 
I don't think anybody what? that had that was taking an analytical look at the thing would say that they thought that the White Sox had a chance. Well, and that's the thing, you know, they were they weren't out of it until the end of the year, but they were never really in it either. Yeah, exactly. They weren't going to compete with the other, you know, however many teams in the playoffs, even with the expanded playoff uh, format this past year and the coming years, they weren't going to compete with most of those teams, if any of them. So, you know, why not go out on that limb? Why not give one of these youngsters a chance? I mean, we saw some, we saw some Lenin Sosa, but you know, a lot of those moves were made. We, we saw those moves that were made like that due to injury more than let's bring this guy up and see what he's got. And, you know, maybe try to give him a little taste. If that wasn't the case, this wasn't, those were moves made out of necessity, not out of trying to get the most value out of a young player. Uh, so, you know, you just kind of hope that maybe just maybe with Tony gone, Rick Hahn and his team will shy away from spending all this money in the bullpen because, you know, we heard that we heard that the, either the money's going to be a little bit lower than it was last year or right around the same amount. And with a couple of those contracts, you know, expiring and no longer being part here doesn't leave them a lot of wiggle room to go out and spend in free agency. If they're going to hit the same mark they did last year, even with a, a pretty dramatic increase in the uh, CBA this year. So I don't know. It remains to be seen. Do you have any kind of thoughts on what you might expect from free agency this season? Not much. Um, you know, uh, we did have one positive development since the last stream. Uh, both you and I were a little bit surprised. Uh, AJ Pollock uh, did the as White well Sox, as many a White Sox roster uh, favor um, and eliminated himself from being an issue as far as playing time goes in the outfield by declining his uh, $13 million option despite the fact that he earned all of the escalators to get him up to $13 million. Um, he left $8 million on the table to disappear and uh, walk off into the sunset and more than likely probably sign somewhere on the West Coast. And, um, you know, I'm sure a that... closer to home for him? Yeah, no, for sure. And, like the thing, I'm sure that the White Sox probably told him, you're not going to get much playing time because we are bringing up Colas and there's probably going to be some other outfielder that's going to be around, you know, that we're going to uh, try and see what they have. And, you know, like a Joe Kelly, um, you know, Pollock was terrible in the first half last year. I think he had something like a 62 WRC plus or something. But in the second half, I think he had like a 120 (laughs) something WRC plus. So he was, you know, halfway decent in the second half. Um, but you know, with where this team is and what they should be looking for, uh, if you're looking to improve your defense, um, if you're looking for more consistency, which AJ Pollock is certainly not, he's been known to be a very, very streaky hitter. Um, you know, what, for what the White Sox need, he wasn't going to, hello there. Uh, he wasn't going Ah. to get a you know, a ton of playing time probably. So, you know, who that ends up being besides, uh, I would assume, Oscar Colas, um, I don't know. You know, maybe they decide that 
uh, you know, that they really do want to go left-handed, and they don't spend any money, but they play Mark Payton. That's entirely possible. Uh, you know, in Charlotte, left-handed bat. About that. Yeah, left-handed bat. He hit a you know a bunch of home runs in Charlotte, and uh, you know, I mean, Charlotte. Charlotte is indeed you know a a uh, an amplifier of stats, if you will. Um, uh, yeah, but the guy has you know the, the guy put in very good work last year, and he was very very consistent. Doesn't strike out a lot. Uh, has a very good plate approach, and he's left-handed, and he can play a decent outfield. You know, so you put Colas in right, you put Robert in center, and then you put Peyton in left, and then you have, you know, Aloy at DH. You know, I mean, you could do worse. You know, I mean, it's not what White Sox fans want to hear, of course. You know, um, but you know cuz i'm you know everybody's frothing at the mouth cuz conforto or brandon nimmo or you know trading somebody away so they can get some sort of uh promising outfielder you know which you know with what the white Sox probably want to give up i don't think that they're likely going to get anything that anybody that is a fan of this team is going to be excited about correct you know so uh, you know to be perfectly honest you know i'm fine watching Mark Payton play and if he doesn't get the job done move on to somebody else and try and find somebody else you know if you're not going to spend money because you know personally I'm not really super hype on the the idea of the White Sox trading away what they've been building I, I don't feel necessarily comfortable with them trading away any kind of top prospect to get something of any of any real consequence in the trade market. Uh, speaking of, uh, another development over the last couple of days has been uh, the White Sox rumored to be looking at uh, um, Sean uh, – blanking on the last name uh, – Sean – Taylor? No, not Sean. No, Sean. Oh, Sean uh, yeah, Sean Taylor, the linebacker uh, or the safety. No, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Um, uh, I'm sorry, you're talking about the uh, athletics catcher. Yes, correct? the catcher, um, Sean Murphy. Yeah, Sean Murphy. There you go. Um, you know, they've been rumored to have, you know, you know, interest in him. Cheese rocks. But uh, you know what? Do you, hey, what's up, Cheese Rocks? Thanks, thanks for the uh, thanks for the assist there. And, is that, uh, is that a, welcome? Is that a is that a Rudel's moniker? <laughs> no, I don't know. Not that I not that I'm aware of. Cheese rocks is somebody. No, there's Rudel's. There Rudel's Padres also have interest in Sean Murphy. Well, all right then. <laughs> um, you know, and the thing is, is again, you know, you've got Yasmani Grandal with a with a contract that nobody's going to eat. You know, and, yeah, no, not a chance. Yeah, and you know he was playing one legged <laughs> last year, uh, and you've got Sebi Zavala, which you know could regress to being the Sebi Zavala that we all know, um, and you know the fact that he's got like a thirty three percent strikeout rate certainly doesn't help things either. You know, the one no. thing you have Carlos Perez, who you brought up and put on the forty man last year. And he didn't really play a whole lot and didn't have a whole lot of time to get, you know, comfortable with the White Sox. And the guy's got something like a 13 or 14% strikeout rate in the minors, which generally, you know, translated to, 
you know, the majors, when you bump up, it's like a four or five percent bump in your strikeout rate. So even if even at a four or five percent bump, he's what at twenty percent, which is still really yeah, good. Even yeah, probably actually under twenty percent. Yeah, and he's got a great swing as well. But you know, then again, we're also talking about another guy that's coming from Charlotte, the great stat amplifier. So you know, like, what are we going to yeah. see for power out of him? I I can't say. You know, he has a nice swing and he'd get into him, you know, every once in a while, but is he a, necessarily a power hitter? No, I would not say that. Um, but then again, neither is Sean Murphy really. I mean, you could get, you know, 30 home runs out of him possibly, but you'd never know, you know? Well, then the question becomes, yeah, let's just say the White Sox are really interested in Sean Murphy. What are they giving up to, the A's because let's be honest, the, uh, the athletics are not a team that wants a contract with a, or a, a player with a high dollar contract. They're not, they're looking more prospects or younger talent that can fill out their roster. And they're going to try to get as much production out of that guy for the least amount of money. So, you know, how do you do that? Well, you take these guys that are either, uh, you know, either on rookie contracts and, or, MLB ready or close to MLB ready. And, you know, the White Sox don't have too many of those guys that you want to see go anywhere because there looks as if there might be positions for them in the next year or two on this current roster. Yeah, possibly. So, I mean, but, you know, the you thing know. that you've heard rumored, you know, is one thing that the A's have always wanted, which is Andrew Vaughn. And the thing is, is that he's ARB eligible starting next year. So they're really only going to, you know, assuming that. You know, he picks up his, uh, you know, his bat gets a little bit of a bump from not being stuck in the outfield and, you know, getting banged up playing the outfield. Um, you know, they're not going to get much of a break there, but that's been rumored what they wanted, that and Colson Montgomery or something for, for Sean Murphy. And if that's, the, you know, if that's a deal, I don't think that the White Sox are going to bite on that. No, that ask is way too high. I would, I would think so. But, I mean, he does have three years of control left. You know, but then, you know, he's got a gold glove, which is awesome. But, you know, you're also looking at uh, the fact that it's a, it's another right-handed bat. And right. the White Sox are always talking about trying to get bats. lefties. Yeah, exactly. So, you know. Especially, and then, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, he's not necessarily a bat first guy. Is he going to, like you said, he's not going to hit for a ton of power. Can he get on base? Yeah. Can he, you know, those are all fine and dandy things, but. The reality is this is a team that has struggled offensively. Yeah, I want to say the better part of the last two years. And uh, you know, you kind of hope that that turns around with maybe some coaching changes and cultural changes within the organization, but uh, you know, that still remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean, last year he put up a 120 OPS plus and he hit 18 home runs. You know, but again, right-handed hitter at uh, guaranteed rate, you know, left-handed hitters have a little bit easier you know, job hitting it out to uh, the old Goose Island area. And, uh, you know, unless he's hitting oppo home runs a lot, which we saw how that worked out last year for all the White Sox hitters trying to hit oppo home runs didn't really work out so well. So, you know, there's, there is, uh, you know, I, I kind of assume that if this deal was going to get done, it would probably get done before the 40 man gets sorted. That would be my guess anyway. But, uh, you know, as the fact that it hasn't happened yet, I would assume that it's probably not going to and that there's a whole lot more smoke than there is fire. 
but you never know. Yeah, so it's one of those things. Uh, you know, we've been surprised before. Uh, I don't want to go, I, I, you know, as far as to say is the White Sox are going to surprise us with some huge contract dealt out to a household name that's going to make Sox fans jump for joy. But maybe, just maybe, we'll see Rick Han pull off a trade that uh, might shock us a little bit. I've been pretty vocal about the one I think could net a decent amount of value for this White Sox team. And uh, as I've been vocal about it, I've been bashed uh, quite harshly. But, uh, you know, I think uh, Tim Anderson could net you uh, some decent return. Yeah, probably. Might be able to help this team go farther than if Tim Anderson stayed. And it's not to say that I don't like Tim Anderson at all. Uh, It's not to say that I would be... Uh, okay with Tim Anderson. I shouldn't say not okay, but it's not to say that I wouldn't be disappointed to see him with all the excitement that he has provided us over the last few years. Uh, One of the, you know, few continually bright spots on this White Sox team up until, you know, this past year with his injury and drama issues. But, you know, uh, if you can get the return that's going to push the limits of this White Sox team beyond what they have been with Tim Anderson on the roster. Why wouldn't you do yeah, it? This I mean, is what I have to say to those folks that tell me I am stupid for even suggesting it. Well, I mean, it's tough, you know, because, uh, you know, you're talking about starting shortstop for, you know, I was starting shortstop. It was a shortstop for the AL anyway. I can't remember if he started or not. But, uh, yeah, he did start, right? He was the starting shortstop. Yeah. So despite the fact that he tanked after Memorial Day and had like something like a 62 OPS plus or whatever after the, you know, after Memorial Day, besides that, uh, you know, yes, he has been electric, you know, and uh, said to be, you know, one of those guys who helps drive the team with his energy and everything, uh, you know due to outside factors uh whether it be you know you know self-created or not you know that energy certainly didn't seem to be there last year and you know i don't know whether you know tony just had that negative of an effect on the clubhouse or whatever but you know that all-star announcement of when he got named to the all-star team you know it was like a graveyard in the in the dug in the uh in the locker room so clubhouse yeah yeah it was kind of weird so um yeah that side-by-side video that was put out that week of uh this year's all-star announcement versus last year's all-star announcement i know i get that you know the year before was tim's first time being nominated and or being selected i should say uh versus the second time and then you know the first time was right after a home win versus uh you know right after a road loss you know you can talk about all those <laughs> things whatever team. yeah <laughs> but you know there was it was just like crickets this time around yeah. and, you know, there should be some sort of 
you know, hoopla around a little that. bit. It's you a big deal thought. in yeah. a player's career. You would have thought. And there was nothing. Yeah. There was nothing. It, it was definitely an odd scenario. Um, <clears throat> yeah. No, I hear you. Um, you know, we've talked about the, the TA deal before, you know, is that you could probably get something halfway decent for him. Um, yeah, you know, team-friendly contract. Yeah, and given what years he does. Control. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, but, I mean, then again, you know, you're talking about uh, a guy who's, like, the face of the franchise and stuff like that. So I, I get, you know, both both sides of it, you know. But, you know, as they say, when you're when you're talking about making trades is that what you give up has to hurt, you know. It has and that, to. And that would be one of those ones that was definitely a bittersweet thing that you would – you're not happy to see him go, but you know if that's something that's deemed necessary to help the team grow, it is what it is. You know. Well, and you know that's the thing. Uh, there's you know another website out there, another blog site that likes to do the uh, off-season plan uh, and let you know other bloggers and fans submit their off-season plans. And I look at these things and. You know, I'm I'm not talking garbage about any of these folks because I admire the fact that you're willing to stick your neck out there and throw some ideas out there. I do because, you know, we all know White Sox Twitter is uh, a place where, you know, you can get roasted quite easily just for having an opinion. Yeah. But, uh, you know, these these people, they go out and they make these offseason plans. The problem with them is that I often see is that uh, much like the White Sox organization, they seem to get attached to some of these players to a point where uh, you just think, oh, I'm going to throw four mediocre or even below average players out there, and I'm going to get Mike Trout in return. And it doesn't work that way, people. I'm sorry. No matter how badly you want it to happen, you have to give something to get something. There has to be some sort of benefit for both sides. And some of these offseason plans, you go, well, yeah, that's great if we could pull that off. You know, uh, Rick Hahn would be, you know, enshrined as a god forever if some of these moves that some of these folks are throwing out there were made. The problem is, is, you know, as great as they sound to us Sox fans, they don't sound real good on the other side of the coin. Yeah. And that's, uh, uh, that's probably not ever going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if the, <laughs> if the fans of the other team are immediately saying, are you out of your mind that there's, that there's an issue and you know, that that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, a normal thing, you know? And like, like you said, you know, this is often I, you know, how good ideas happen is that, a bunch of people sit around in a room and just throw stuff at the wall and, you know, figure out something. And they say, Hey, you know what? That's not a half bad idea. And, you know, it might not necessarily happen exactly the way that it's drawn up in, you know, on one of these off season plans, but, you know, maybe the overall idea, you know, the idea or the thought process behind it is something that's worth exploring. And I, you know, whether that be, you know, TA, I've heard, uh, you know, about getting rid of Giolito. I've heard about getting rid of Liam Hendricks. Um, you know, we've we've all heard, you know, numerous trade scenarios. I've even heard of people throwing Dylan Cease's name out there. I've, I've seen that uh, a time or two as well. And Get rid of him now while his value's high. I, yeah. Cy Young contender. Get them, you'll, you'll get so much in return. It, you, you probably would. You're absolutely would. right. But yep. 
Then you have not a single guy that you could really consider a number one on your rotation. There isn't an ace. Yeah, it'd be tough. You, know, you hope that Lance Land bounces back this season, you know, gets himself healthy. Because uh, after he started to look healthier, he started to look much better. Uh, yeah, he's also 36 years old. and Exactly. You know, I mean, he's got a club option for next year, but then after that he's out the door and he's going to be 38 years old. So, right. And it, there's nobody on that White Sox pitching staff that has more miles on that arm, regardless of age. That guy is, you know, goes out and does the workhorse thing pretty much all the time. Yeah, I mean, he has since he had Tommy John, and I think that was in 2018. So, I mean, and before that he was a reliever. So... Well, true. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how much mileage he has on his arm, but I mean, you saw, you know, he him being a bigger guy. You know, it took a, you know, a toll on his knee last year, and he ended up missing a lot of time because of a knee. Um, you know, plus, you know, you have the uh, former, you know, ace of the club, Lucas Giolito, in his last year of arbitration this year. And it's been known for quite a while that he wants to go to free agency. Now, you know, regardless of whether, you know, his stats for the last year were, were not good. You know, if he comes out and has a a good year this year, um, you're looking at uh, a better pitching rotation. Um, You know, not necessarily than last year with Johnny Cueto coming in and throwing all those quality starts, but you know, Automatically, you know, if Lucas Giolito returns to what he was, you got Giolito, Cease, and Lynn, you know, all very good pitchers. And, you know, you got Kopech and, you know, you figure out what's going to happen after that in the rotation, whether it be, you know, Davis Martin or, you know, I know that uh, Pedro Grifol was with uh, with Johnny Cueto in Kansas City in the, in the World Series here. So, you know, if that plays some sort of a part in getting him back here, you know, at a, uh, you know, a reasonable to Jerry Reinsdorf kind of rate, you know. I'm, but the thing is, you can't, you know, with, with his age, can you really expect – you know, the kind of numbers that Johnny Cueto put up last year. I mean, I know that he really likes to keep himself in shape and he's a workout warrior and he's out there, you know, running stairs all the time and all this stuff, you know, like that's all well and good, but you know, the results, the results are sure he's not a thrower. You yeah. Know. Yeah. True. But you know, then again, because he's a pitcher and not a thrower, he can't rely on going back to that 97 mile an hour heat. You know, right. if if his stuff isn't on and he's very consistent, you know, he's been very consistent since he had his Tommy John. You know, he pitched very well coming back from that Tommy John. And then he pitched very well for the White Sox last year. I'm just saying you can't necessarily, you know, bank on those same results for next season if they do resign him. And, you know, that's a, no fault of him. You know, he's getting up there in his age. You know, he's going to be 37 you know, uh, at the beginning of next year. So, you know. All right. I've heard a lot of people, you know, discuss uh, Garrett Crochet a little bit. And, you know, we do expect to see him at some point this coming season. When? Still remains to be seen. You know, he's uh, going to be coming back from his uh, TJ. And uh, you never know how that's going to go. There's always a question mark around that. Yep. You never know how quickly rehab. Right, and and again, even if he does come out 
and he comes out looking good, he's probably going to be on a limit. So how far does that really get you? You know, I'm with you a hundred percent on all of those things. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, they, they've, you know, we've known this for a while and we've talked about it for probably about a year now that they've painted themselves into a corner, you know? Um, you know, I was all on board with them giving extensions to all their younger players, you know, we were, we were all pretty happy about it when, when those extensions started happening. Yeah, um, it felt smart at the time. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that had it worked out like they thought it was going to, and in a perfect world, you know, where nobody got COVID and there was no lockdown and all that stuff, you know, who knows, maybe it turns out different, but guess what? It didn't. And so yeah. now we've got the, you know, what, the third, uh, what is it, like the... Uh, sixth highest paid third baseman in baseball or something uh, coming up next year with Yohan Moncada and everybody's worried about whether or not he's going to hit his, you know, his own body weight. You know? Yeah. And here we are going on like the fourth season straight where we're going, hopefully we get, we get that guy that we expected back. Yep. You know, uh, we've been saying it for a few years now. Yeah. Plus and... all the injuries, you know, there's just so much stuff that could go wrong. And when you, <laughs> You know, went ahead and, uh, you know, and, you know, from my personal opinion, you know, people call Jerry Reinsdorf cheap, and there are many that will go to bat for him and say, well, look, you know, he spent, you know, $196 million last year, and, you know, yes, he did spend that much money, and yes, uh, it was not allocated properly in my opinion. Um, but you know, this is one of those things that, yeah, he did go up there with that, uh, you know, with that payroll, but you know, it, the whole entire thought process of extending these guys so early is kind of a throwback to, you know, yeah, you're doing that. So they stick around for an extra year, but you're doing that because you're trying to save money. And they said that that was going to be because they wanted to, you know, the money will be spent, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, ultimately, it's to save money. It's always about trying to save money. You know, it's not ever about trying to acquire the most talent. It's about trying to save money, you know, because you know that they're not going to go up to 250, 260 million like the Mets or, you no. know, or the Yankees <laughs> or the Dodgers. It's just, you know, that thing is never going to happen. It makes me giggle just to think about it, honestly, because yeah, no like, it's just, it, it's, it's ludicrous to even think about. Yeah. So you, you get these guys when they're young to say, fine. Yeah. I'll give you a year on the end, you know, an extra year on the end. You go ahead and start paying me now. The problem is, is that when you do that with every single one of your young players and not one of them has hit what you have projected, then there's a major issue. You know, that's that's when you get issues like, you know, that Jose Abreu, it's hard to re-sign your best hitter for the last, what, nine years, ten years? You can't resign him because you've painted yourself into a corner with Andrew Vaughn and with the fact that Aloy's got to be a DH instead of a left fielder because you don't want him to get hurt. You know, I mean, there's just, there's so many 
so many little things that have caused like just this huge amount of you know chaos with this ball club and it's a good it, word chaos I, it's i mean it just is what it is you know and you know, I would like to think that, you know, they're going to start off this year with their payroll from last year. And if they need to make another move, that they would do so. But, I mean, let's be realistic here. With this roster, unless every single one of those guys goes out and puts up the kind of numbers that you thought they were going to put up when you extended them, and Andrew Vaughn puts up, Jose Abreu type numbers and whoever you bring in for second base and right field and left field, if they all don't produce at pretty high levels, are you ever going to beat the Astros? It's going to be tough. Uh, At this particular moment, I would say no. Yeah. And, you know, not to mention like all these other teams in the, you know, in the American League, are all get, you know are getting stronger. Mariners are starting to get stronger. You know, they've got all their guys, and like, unfortunately, you know, as we've talked about before, you know, not that I want to throw anybody under the bus, but you know, the former head of the of the you know amateur draft, and now current uh, evaluator of MLB pro talent, you know, all the number one draft picks that that were picked during that entire time that the team was supposed to be terrible other than Andrew Vaughn, you know, you know, I guess Garrett Crochet is around, but I, I think he was around, but we, we don't know. We still don't know what he's going to be. You know, like we just talked about a few minutes ago, uh, Tommy John's one of those things that can now. Yeah, of course. Pitchers have a, a better chance of coming back and being who they were supposed to be these days, but it's still not a guarantee. Yeah, no, you know there still are those handful of guys that uh, just never really come back to form. Plus, um, you know, if you want, you know, if you know that you have to manage his innings, you know, if you know he's saying that he wants to be a starter and that he's done being a reliever. Well, guess what? Um, if you want to do that. You're not doing it in the major leagues. If you do it in the major right. leagues, things could. I mean, we saw what ha- you know, like how he was in his last uh, month or two before he left for Tommy John. You know, I don't know if he's going to get that. You know, actually, for the entire season that you know before he left, you know, we saw 94, 95 miles an hour, and it wasn't. You know, he didn't have a high ERA, but. There was lots of hard contact, and people weren't missing on stuff that they were missing, you know, when he was throwing 101 miles an hour. You know, Jose Ramirez is not going up there and missing a 94-mile-an-hour fastball, regardless of your, you know, Radio City Rockettes leg kick, uh, it, you know? It's funny that you bring up Jose Ramirez, too, because that was actually the first name that came to mind when uh, you were talking about these things. Jose Ramirez and the other guy. Uh, Josh Naylor, both, and and you know, and, and speaking of those, both of those guys, they both play for the Guardians. And if we're going to talk about roster construction and other teams getting better, we have to talk about the team that took the division this year with a payroll below ninety million dollars. So let's just say they wanted to improve B- below below seventy million dollars. 
Was it? I thought I it was. It was like sixty-three million dollars. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking it was yeah, in the eighties. Right either now. way, either way, if you want to get up to that one ninety-two or one ninety-four, one ninety-six, whatever it was, the White Sox did. That leaves them. I mean, let's just say they match what the White Sox spent this past season. Uh, that leaves them over a hundred million dollars to go out and spend in free agency this season to improve their ball club. All right, so I'm going to ruin your night here. Okay, Lord. Oh, it's going to be like 50-something. Oh, this is going to hurt your feelings. Uh, So you're right. It did get up to uh, later on in the season. uh, They started off with 56 uh, in the 26-man payroll. Uh, That's where it ended up at the end of the year with all their uh, retained and buried costs and all that and injured reserved and everything. It did end up around 82. Um, Okay. Their 2023... (laughs) Team payroll. This is projected payroll. This is the payroll after, Arb after ARBs and free agents and everything. Eighteen point eight million. Oh. So if oh, they go out and spend and they put their they put their uh their payroll at like eighty two million dollars where they were last year at the end of the season, uh they're spending sixty four million dollars. Now, let's just, like I said, let's just go ahead and say they decide they want to match close to what the White Sox spent last year at over $190 million. <laughs> That's never going to happen, but yeah. No, I, I see but I saying. mean, just to just to get, oh, let's let's put it at 150 That's 130-ish, I'm sorry, yeah, 18 point whatever, 130-ish million dollars to spend this offseason alone. To improve the ball club that took the AL Central this past season. And that's what you're competing against. I mean, this is literally how, at least I would hope, this is literally how our GM has to be looking at this thing. Our ownership has to be looking at it that way. Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing. You know, is if, you know, that's what, that that's, like you said, that's, that's what you need to be looking at is that, you know, they're coming into this season with an $18.8 million payroll and say they only want to go to $50 million. Well, guess what? That's still, you know, $32 million, $32 million they can go out and spend and they can go ahead and go and add a Carlos Rodon if they want to. You know, right, and still have ten million dollars left over to pick up a bullpen arm. You know, I mean, it's it's not pretty. You know, especially no. you know, you look at this, you look at this roster, and you look at how they performed and how oft injured they are. Um, <coughs> you know, it's just it's not it's not a good thing. You know, um, you know, right now they're looking at. Uh, Right now, they're at $131 million total payroll. Um, I think after arbitration, they're roughly somewhere around like 160 or something like that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's like 156 or 159 yeah, so, or something. You know, after what you saw, you know, and if they're saying that the payroll is going to be around 180 to start, 
which is what's been reported is that it's going to be around 180. You know, not only you know they're cutting 16 million dollars of payroll, but they're also cutting off Rick Hahn at the at the knees. Right. You know, and expecting him to go out and run the you know Stan's Donuts 5K on his knees. You know, it's just not gonna it's not gonna work out well. Um, you know, the things that the thing that this team has to hope for is that they make the right decisions and that, you know, as Rick Hahn said in his press conference that, you know, that you basically hope, hope. that the, <laughs> these guys are going to go to the stat line that you are accustomed to or that you projected. And that is not a good place to be. That is not something that inspires hope. Um, you know, and the fact that Reinsdorf is cutting payroll – you know, meanwhile, the, you know, they're trying to sell seats after they finally, you know, they, they went over 2 million, you know, attendees last year, and they're cutting payroll after that. It's it's not good. No, not at all. Not so, at all. Uh, let's move on to the 40-man, uh, because we could sit here and talk about this nonsense all, all night and work ourselves up into a leather. I, I, as an aside, though, I would like to say – that uh, I did hear somebody uh, on another podcast somewhere mention Larry Garcia. And I would like to let it be known that while I was in my car, I made myself irate. Uh Uh-oh. With just the fact, and this is, it's just super quick. I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, you know that you have a payroll at a certain amount of money and that you can't go over a certain amount of money. And you know that you're going to be strapped for those additions that you want to make or for improving the club. And you go out and give Larry Garcia $5.5 million. I mean, wow. Anywho, uh, yeah, so 40-man, moving along. Um, I got nothing. Yeah, it's ugly. So right now the the, uh, White Sox 30-man is at 36 and uh, a couple of moves, obviously, uh, A.J. Pollock's gone, so we don't have to worry about that. So that's nice. That's one addition. Um, Garrett Crochet put back on. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else. Somebody There's somebody else that got brought back from the I.L. and got put back on, and I, I can't kind of space in on that right now, who it was that was on the 60-day that got reinstated. But uh, there was uh, another one besides uh, Garrett Crochet. Um, but so Jose Ruiz still on the 40 man. Ah, uh, yes, Danny Mendick. Thank Eesh. you. Cheese Rocks, you're pretty good at this. Um, you do rock, yeah. Cheese. Yeah, he's, he's nice assists. Um, yeah, so you got your two guys back. But you still have, I mean, as far as, you know, I'm sitting here looking at this 40-man, and there is still trash to be taken out. You know, not to be rude to anybody. But uh, Jose Ruiz, you know, he's up for arbitration. Uh, You know, I understand that he's a garbage time guy. And if you look at his high leverage numbers, his high, high leverage numbers are atrocious. 
awful. I think he had like a five whip or something like that in high leverage in the second half. And I mean, granted, it was only like two or three innings or something like that in the second half, but. No, they were two or three really long innings. It felt like more than two or three innings. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you've got him on there and you've got a, uh, a guy that was claimed off of waivers, Nicholas Padilla on the 40 man. Uh, why he's there, I don't know. Uh, but um, you also have uh, Jason Billis, who is one of those guys who is, you know, kind of a, a golden child, if you will. You know, that he's one of those guys who's just by, you know, where he was taken in the draft and the kind of stuff that he has and the projections for him. Uh, he's on the 40 man. And uh, I don't know. You know, I, I kind of think that he'll probably still be there. Uh, given what's going on with this roster, just because they're going to want to keep arms around. And, um, and he's, the fact, the, he's got the potential to turn it around, too. Cause he, he does. He's got nasty he stuff. Has, he's, he's the guy who has the, you know, has a good outing, but he has the one blow up inning, uh, which kind of damages numbers a little bit. And if he could avoid that little mental hiccup and loss of command, you know, he could be a stud. So, yeah. Um, you know, you got uh, Yaz and Carlos and Sebi as the trio of catchers. Um, none of them are going anywhere. Uh, T.A., Jake Berger, Leury, Romy Gonzalez, Mendick, Yohan Mankata, Lenny and Sosa are your infielders on the 40-man. Uh, I really don't see any of them going anywhere uh, un- unless it's via unless trade. It's trade. Yeah, right. that's that's the only way uh, anybody's going. And, I, you know, I – you know, uh, if I – I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Berger got moved. Uh, great bat, but uh, you know we know that the the defense is a little lacking. Um, you know he'll uh, he'll botch a couple over there at third base, um, but somebody could somebody could use that bat. Somebody. Yeah, yeah, he could be a piece that would net you a little something in return uh, in trade. Yeah, you know, again with his pedigree. Uh, and you know his history, regardless of of the injuries that he suffered, he 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 came out and showed that uh, he could he could do some things with the stick. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then as far as the outfielders go, um, you've got Adam Engel, Aloy, Mark Payton, Luis Robert, Gavin Sheets, and Andrew Vaughn. The fact that you've got Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn listed as outfielders on the 40-man is <laughs> laughable uh, and absolute insanity. Um, but, you know, Adam Engel, also uh, ARB-eligible. Uh, they said he's gonna he's like slated to make like two-point-something this year um, as an estimate, and I kind of think that he's probably gone uh, just to save the $2 million. And the fact that... You are keeping, you know, you're worrying about getting rid of a guy. You know, I mean, I'm not even talking on skill levels here. Is that you're worried about $2 million. That's where we're at. No, and you know that $2 million might actually make a difference in what this team can do. That's quite pathetic. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Um, So uh, as far as guys that are... Rule five eligible that are actually important. Uh, you got Popeye, uh, Jose Rodriguez, 
Rule 5. You have Brian Ramos, also Rule 5. Uh, Luis Mieses is coming up, uh, Rule 5. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly, I think, I'm trying to remember if Luis, is, this is the first year, because last year they they uh, put the kibosh on the Rule 5 uh, below. Yeah, maybe, maybe this is the first year. Um, but... Um, you know, he showed some promise this last year, um, entirely possible that, you know, he gets, you know, put on there because they don't want to let him go. I know that, uh, Andy Barquette is really high on Luis Mieses, thinks, uh, calls him the Dominican Daryl Strawberry. And, uh, I mean, it's entirely possible that they look at, you know, the progression that he made last year and they decide to cover him on the 40 man. So it's, I'm, I'm it's guessing possible. he's got a gun. Uh, no, it's, it's more because of, uh, it's, it's because of the bat. His, his outfield okay. defense is okay. Um, it's not terrible, not great. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't have a cannon for an arm, but, um, I, I, yeah, anytime somebody says Daryl Strawberry to me, I just think of that, that cannon that he, yeah, I no. mean, yeah, it's just because of arm strength. Yeah. Just because of the, uh, the, the ability for him to just reach out and flick a ball off the wall. Um, He's, you know, he's got some really sneaky power for a tall, skinny dude. Um, so, I mean, it's entirely possible he could get uh, that he could get the forty man. Uh, the Southern uh, Southern Atlantic League, uh, I think it was Southern Atlantic League uh, for the Winston Salem Dash. Uh, Tyler Osick, the batting champion for that uh, that league for last year, uh, he's Rule Five eligible. Um, it's possible that he could get, you know, a, a 40-man coverage, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would think, you know, his hitting skill set and his drive and his work ethic are uh, – if you if you follow him on Twitter, the guy's got serious drive, and he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he wants to be something. And, you know, he does not enjoy being passed over for anything. So if – you know, if he gets left off the forty man, and somebody else, sne- you know, s- scoops him up. He's gonna make his life life's goal to make the White Sox life miserable for the rest of his playing career. Um, not that you know that's something that you necessarily need to worry about. I guess if you're trying to make your team better, but the guy can the guy can hit a baseball. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't. I I know he's your he's your. Uh, He's your guy. Oh, Zachy Flats. I will bring it up. Uh, you know, the Charlotte Knights were just eviscerated <laughs> the other day. Uh, Zach Remillard gone. Blake Rutherford gone. Uh, Mike Rodolfo gone. Uh, half of the pitching staff is gone. Now, I, most of them were, you know, like probably a good f- 60% of the guys that left from the pitching staff were uh, journeyman guys, you know, uh, that, you know, got filled in anyway uh, by, in, you know, because there was a ton of injuries in Charlotte. But, uh, you know, they're going to have to do some serious work to fill in what's going on in Charlotte because as of right now, their team, they got, uh, you know, out of their normal like 30-man roster, I'm going to say they probably got like 14 guys there. Um, yeah, I know there was. I, I did see. I did catch some of that. A, a few guys retired. A few guys elected for free agency. Yeah, it, I, it was just. Uh, I didn't see anybody retire. Uh, 
Oh, maybe I, the, I think they all left by a free agency. All the guys that I saw, anyway, that I was paying attention okay. to. Um, but I mean, regardless, they're they're all gone. Um, yeah, uh, Yolbert Sanchez also available in the you know in the the Rule Five this year. You almost feel like he has to be protected. I you know I don't know, um, but uh, he did have a little bit of a uh, a down year. I mean, it was just not anything, you know, like if, if he was going to step on it and take that extra step and be that guy that was going to be something more than say a Yolmer Sanchez. Right. Uh, you know, I think that he probably would have done it last year. Um, I think that if he comes up to the majors, uh, you're, you're looking at a guy who can, yeah, he'll, he'll hit you a bunch of singles. Um, I think that the the power that showed up, I, I feel like some of his bat-to-ball suffered in order for him selling out for power in Charlotte because he felt like that that was what, needed, what he needed to show to get up to the big yeah, club. Yeah, get a call you know? up. Yeah, yeah and I, I think that that definitely played a part in, uh, in some of his uh, – some of his – you know, results, uh, yeah. not necessarily yeah. a lack of success. I mean, he still had an okay year, but uh, there was definitely some room for improvement there. Now, uh, also, Moises Castillo, also Rule 5 eligible. We got him from the Reds, and I'm almost positive it was the Reds. And uh, he had been to the Arizona Fall League before, but he, was, he went back there this year. Uh, he did not play for, I think, the last, like, to uh, basically after the all-star break the uh, fall stars game a couple uh, weeks ago he hadn't played since then so i i'm not entirely sure what happened but uh he's he finished with about 25 30 at bats less than uh most of the most of the guys that were in the leaderboards in the fall league so he did not uh he did not qualify for the leaders board but he was the uh third rank short uh third rank second baseman uh, OPS wise in the Arizona Fall League, and hit three forty five. He had a, a really good time out there. Had seventeen hits and like forty nine at bats or something like that. Um, he's also available, uh, and he's very solid uh, up the middle at second base. Very very good fielder. Great glove. Um, so I you know I kind of doubt they put a put a tag on you know they like put him on the forty man, but. I mean, you never know. Things, stranger things have happened, of course. Uh, the rest of the stuff is all, uh, all pitching, and you got uh, a lot of relievers. Uh, you've got uh, Declan Cronin and uh, Lane Ramsey. Guys, both came back from uh, injury. Caleb Freeman, same thing. Lots of injury stuff there. Uh, guys that came back and didn't necessarily have all the stuff that they had had beforehand. Uh, you know. Or if they had the stuff, they didn't have the feel, you know, didn't necessarily put up all the the great numbers that they would want to put up. Um, Not that they're not capable of it, you know, just coming back from, uh, you know, injuries. Uh, Speaking of that, uh, Luke Schilling, uh, who was absolutely lights out two years ago, um, who had uh, actually was, I guess, the beginning of 21 
just absolutely lights out and he ended up having to have surgery. Uh, he just started coming back. Uh, very driven guy, really nasty stuff. Uh, the numbers weren't as good, you know, when he came back, but you know, you're looking coming back from Tommy John surprise, surprise. It's going to be one of those things where it's going to take him a little bit of time to get back. Uh, another TJ guy, Johan Dominguez, who showed some real promise, uh, with the Barons and the Knights this year, um, pitched, had some really, really nice, uh, solid starts this year for both clubs, uh, ended up needing Tommy John. He's, you know, I, I would assume he'll probably be throwing again in the, you know, probably in the summer ish time. So I don't think that he's going to get, uh, He's going to get it. Uh, Cade McClure, um, I'd be surprised if they if they put him on the 40. Um, Sammy Peralta, who is out at uh, Arizona Fall League, you know, relief, not going to probably on the 40-man. Andrew Perez, uh, friend, of, friend of the program. Uh, Andrew Perez got really, really nasty stuff. And, uh, you know, I just – I don't think anybody's going to – you know, if they're dipping into the relievers, you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, if that's going to be the direction they're going to go uh, out of this list. I think if anybody's left unprotected, it would probably be Luke Schilling that gets grabbed just because he's shown just the the knack to be absolutely dominant at times and uh, just, you know, sub, you know, 0.7 whip like dominant. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there, there are some interesting names out there. Uh, there's some other guys out there that, you know, don't really, you know, aren't going to move anybody's needle one way or the other, as far as, uh, you know, getting a 40 man nod, there's going to be some interesting stuff going on there. We'll find out, um, you know, the, the, the weird thing is, is that, you know, you've got the, the 40 man thing coming up and, the uh you know we'll find out who gets uh tendered deals and whatever and find out how many spots are open on the 40 man and how many guys they decide to put on that 40 my 40 man and you find out if you if you lose a Nicholas Padilla or not you know cuz that's one thing that we're all watching out for is whether we're going to get to keep a Nicholas Padilla <laughs> <laughs> oh okay all right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I'm trying to remember. I know that there was a there was a guy that just got let go, or or a guy that left the other day. Oh, you know what? Maybe did he leave? I'm trying to remember if he left not left or not. He might not have left. Thought there was another one. Yeah, maybe not. I was thinking that uh, you know one of those guys that the White Sox had kept on the forty man forever, Yoan uh, Ibar. I thought he maybe he had he might have walked, but I was thinking it was uh, Luis Amaya that that uh, left in free agency, not the uh, not the other guy. But uh, you know, uh, Emilio Vargas and Felix Paulino both gone. Uh, Tyler Johnson, who at one point was a fairly uh, well-regarded prospect for the White Sox left via free agency the other day. Um, and Kyle Kubat and uh, Anderson Severino, who, you know, we had some some hopes for. Fireballer couldn't harness the control. 
Um, lots of walks. So, yeah, uh, you know, like it's entirely possible that some of these guys could get re-signed and, you know, sent back to Charlotte. Who knows? Um, but I would kind of think that uh, quite a few of these guys, I think that they're going to, you know, start moving some of these guys up, you know, and seeing if they can hack it because, you know, you can only hold on to these guys for so long. You got to see whether they're right. whether they can hang or not. You know, and it's like, right. the, you know, I had this conversation on Twitter, you know, that at some point you have to decide that you have to move these guys up because you have to see what they are. And, you know, if they're if they're not ready yet, it is what it is, man. Just let them walk. Oh, yeah. You know? And not only that, you know, there's always the issue of uh, making space for, you know, the guys that uh, are coming up behind them as well, especially since these last couple of drafts have kind of focused more on the younger uh, prep players that, uh, you know, we hope will develop into, you know, something of a, 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 you know, at least a major league, you know, roster spot type guy, if even if they're not superstars. But, uh, you know, you've got to get those guys. you got to find spots for those guys. Yep. These guys that are in low A and high A, they, you know, they eventually have to make the move to double A and triple A. Yeah. And, and if they somebody above them has got to make the way for them. You know what I mean? So, yep. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I, you know, I kind of felt me. like, uh, oh, pardon me. You're right. All right. Yeah. 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 I, I you know, Other like, change, man. Yeah. We, you know, we had the, uh, the, the conversation, you know, that, uh, you know, some of these guys were just kept too long and, uh, you know, it, you know, at some point, you know, you kind of look like, you know, somebody that doesn't want to share its toys. You know, you're you're hoarding all the toys, and you don't want to let any of them go. You don't want to let any of the other kids play with them. And it's like, you know, if you're not going to, you know, it's exactly like a, a two- or three-year-old, you know? Like, you don't want anybody else to play with your toys, but you're not going to play with them either. So if you're not going to bump them up, if you're not going to see whether they got stuff and you're going to hold on to these guys that have been in AAA for three years and still have, you know, I like Blake Rutherford, nice guy, great teammate, you know, whatever. But, you know, he's working out with Christian Yelich, you know, for years now. And the guy hasn't put up an OPS better than, uh, you know, than, um, what a. You know, like, uh, you know, here I, this is a blank. Uh, my guy, <laughs> my guy, Waiting. yeah, that's the thing is he's my guy in double A and I'm just totally blanking on his name. Outfielder. Uh, <sighs> sitting here talking about him forever and they finally promoted him and I'm totally blanking. Oh, Mark Payton? No. Uh, man, I am brutal tonight. My memory is shot tonight. Oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll, get, I'll have it here in one second. Unless uh, Cheese Rocks has got it. <laughs> Cheese Rocks has been on the spot yeah, tonight. Johnny on the spot. All right, let's uh, 
Tyler Nesloni. Holy cow. I knew it was Tyler something. Oh, I couldn't remember his last I name. I should have known. Yeah. I should have Holy cow. known. Blake Rutherford never put up an OPS close to Tyler Nesloni in advance day, double A, or triple A. Never put up an OPS like Tyler Nesloni had in double A. Yet you've kept him for three years in Charlotte. Like, what are we doing? Like, he's not working out. Let him walk. I know that it was a trade. I know that, you know, you wanted to keep him around because you thought, you know, he was at one time, he was a big time prospect. You've seen the guy can't hack it. Get him out of there. Get somebody in there that can play. You know, like free up the spot. You're you're literally doing nothing for anybody in your entire organization by keeping this guy who anybody that's watching from the outside knows is never going to do anything. You know, like definition of 2.5A, not good enough for AAA, mm, Probably better than double A, but not even good enough for triple A. Like he just, he never hit up there. And it's like, how many times are you going to watch this guy do a swing adjustment, you know, or sit here and, you know, talk about how he's working with Christian Yelich and how, you know, he learned so much in the offseason this year. And then he comes out and he's still hitting 225. Like, oh, but he's still young enough to develop. I, you know what? When is, when does it become, too long. That's You're what I'm saying. You're watching the same That's thing exactly over and over. But those are the excuses they'll make. He's still young enough to become what we thought he might become. Uh, first of all, it's not like you drafted him. You know, he came from another organization. So your scouts weren't even good enough to draft him. Now, because you pulled him from another organization in a trade during your rebuild, uh, trades that, you know, maybe were heralded as being you know, the wool being pulled over the, the other GM's eyes or the, the, the fleecing, if you will, you know, now because of those things, are we, it, it, it just feels like the, the organization is holding on to these guys to prove a point. Look what we did. hundred percent. Look what we did here. We're going to make this work. We're, it's going to yeah, happen. We're not going to admit you know, that it wasn't really, you know, that it didn't pan out. It happens, you know. Nobody is going to hold that against you that you made a deal, you got a bunch of prospects, and they didn't work out. It happens to literally every team. I mean, the, every the, single team. Yeah, the issue is that the last time Blake Rutherford hit over two seventy one was in two thousand eighteen with Winston Salem. Right. Right. I mean, the guy has never had an had an eight hundred OPS since rookie ball with the Yankees. You know? I mean, the the power that everybody was saying was going to come never, never showed came. Up. And, you know, it was like after it didn't happen last year, they should have just let him walk. You know, 11 home I understand that you want to, you know, get your org depth and everything. But, you know, when you go out and you get Hazley, you trade for Hazley, which was right. odd in general. But then you sign Peyton, but then you keep Blake Rutherford around, and then you, you know, 
try and hang on to Mike Rodolfo, which, you know, yeah, everybody's dreaming on his power, but like it just, you know, it, it clearly, it wasn't happening with the White Sox. You know, it's just one of those things where a change of scenery might be needed and his attitude, you know, he, he clearly wasn't like feeling it on the White Sox, you know, in the organization. Like he was not happy that he was back with the Knights and you could, I mean, you could see it just yeah. watching. Well, I mean, he, he made it pretty clear that he felt like he was ready for a call up and, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm sorry, but the numbers don't show that. Yeah, no, he ran uh, into some issues a hundred percent. I'm just simply you know, saying from body language could, and looking at him, you know? Yeah. I mean, we could sit here and talk about ham eight bone issues and, you know, hamstring issues Everything, and back yeah. issues. And I mean, the guy was banged up constantly when he was healthy, could he hit the monster shot? Sure. Oh, he hits. He can hit the ball runs. a long way, but the problem is, is you know he's got a strikeout rate in, in over thirty percent, and you know there are times where he has the defensive lapse and judgment as well. Does he have a cannon for an arm? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, he, he can throw the ball. He can he can wing it, but uh, you know. We're talking about a team, again, I hate to use this term anymore because it's obviously not true, but we were talking about a team that was in the heart of its contention window. And uh, I'm sorry. You can feel and say and, and show in your body language how you feel about not being called up to said organization. And, you know, maybe I don't blame you so much because you're looking at Andrew Vaughn and, and Gavin Sheets, you know, in the outfield every day. I, from that perspective, yeah, maybe I would be a little upset because those guys aren't outfielders. What are they doing there in the first place? That's true. I get it. But you, I have, get to, it. you, but, have, to, you have to take that step. You have to hit over 220, right. you know, in order to and that's the thing. be able to get that call up. That's the thing. You know, you, you have to perform. Regardless, you know, hey, the guys that are there, aren't really doing what you would hope an outfielder to do, but just because you're an outfielder doesn't make you a viable replacement. 100%. Yeah, so anywho, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we find out what happens with the 40-man. We'll find out, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, if anybody gets added to the 40-man, I'm sure that, you know, at least Ramos and Popeye get added. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, unless there's like some major trade here, I would assume that they would go through with 40 um, you know, but, uh, you never know. I mean, like if, if they, th if they don't think that some of these guys are in, you know, jeopardy of getting yanked, you know, I mean, it's entirely possible that they let these guys, you know, dangle and, uh, cause they don't want to add them to the 40 because they don't want to, uh, you know, worry about, um, you know, 40 man spots for next year, but. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the, you know, I'm sure they probably want to leave something available, you know, some spots open for, you know, for potential trades as well for guys that they have to add to the 40 man. So I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. This, the whole thing, uh, this whole thing is just uh, the whole roster game thing this year. Yeah. Is kind I mean, of tiresome. It, it's, it's really kind of hard to prognosticate it, what direction they're going to go with what we've been told so far this off season, you know, via, you know, we're going to make moves. We, we feel that making moves via trade or uh, yeah, via the trade route is going to be more fruitful 
Yes. Uh, we're being told that, the, you know, there's going to be a, a payroll crunch. You know, we're being told all these things. And, and, you know, the White Sox have been known to play their cards close to their chest. Uh, maybe it's all smoke. But I, to be honest with you, when you hear these things this early in the offseason, I feel like it's more of a, hey, brace yourself. Yeah. Kind of, uh, you know, we're warning you now. Yeah, we're Don't telling you now. So, too much. you know, you be ready for it. And, uh, you know, we'll just uh, go ahead and do all that stuff that we're saying that we're going to do and then not have to worry about Sox Fest and getting yelled at. So, yeah, I think this is, you know, th- that's the kind of rhetoric that's like, we're going to curb your expectations a little bit so that when we do make maybe a slightly better move than you expected, you're going to get excited about it. And it's not going to be the big banger of a move that everybody would. But hey, we did something more than we were told. It's a, it's the big setup, honestly. Yeah. That's what I feel here. Well, like I said, I don't. You know, if they if they give up from their talent pool that they're finally starting to build, and you're finally starting to see some returns from some of the work that you know is getting put in down in the minors, if that is how they decide to, you know put a product on, you know, in the, in the majors. Like, I mean, I get it. You know, you always want to take a proven asset over something that, you know, just has potential. Um, but I mean, it would have to be, you know, real talent. You know, we're not talking about trading, you know, for somebody else's like uh third outfielder and being, stoked about it or somebody else's you right. know, second baseman that hits 240 you know like, right you're not trading colson montgomery and tim anderson for for that you know, exactly whatever yeah we'll see all right well we shall see till next week um yeah i'm sure we'll find out all sorts of uh interesting things in the next day or two and uh we'll have stuff to talk about uh whether or not anything changes with the 40-man roster like a you know an actual surprising move uh i kind of doubt it but you know uh, at least we'll find out who's on the 40-man and who is protected and who didn't make it through you know i guess the rule the rule five is until december anyway so even if they don't get protected we still got uh well, like three weeks to marinate on it to see whether they, you know, get end up getting uh, grabbed by somebody else. But uh, you know, then yeah, again, we are coming up on the uh, the winter meetings here in a couple of weeks, so yep. things could get interesting pretty quickly here. It might be quiet between now and then for the most part. Uh, it seemed like the off season kind of heated up for a couple of days there, where things were moving, teams are making some trades, but. Uh, you know, the real fireworks are yet to come here. So looking forward to that. You also have a great night, Mr. Pusher Robot. Yes, sir. Indeed. Yeah. Thanks for always uh, a pleasure to see you. Thanks for stopping in. Yeah. Thanks for popping in. Uh, for everybody that was in the chat, appreciate it. Thanks for coming and hanging out and, uh, and watching slash listening. Uh, you can find us at whitesoxdaily.substack.com for uh, published material and for this podcast. Uh, you can also find this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Uh, I am at iEskridge on Twitter and uh, at Danny Miller WSD on Twitter. Um, you guys have a great week. We will talk to you guys next week unless something amazing happens uh, and we are forced to do uh, some sort of a uh, – 
surprise impromptu uh, stream slash podcast, which, you know, hey, maybe something interesting will happen and uh, that'll be a thing. But uh, if not, next Monday, 9 p.m. I'm trying to cross my fingers. Oh, okay. I, I, thought, I thought you were trying to do the, <laughs> do the thumb thing where you... you show. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, anywho, uh, yeah, you've been watching White Sox Daily Live. My name's Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller, you guys have a great night, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Bye.